0: 16 this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'm so glad that you're here in church today. And we are delighted to have you, whether it's your first time or your 50th time or your you don't know how many times, and we're glad that you're here today. We're uh, so encouraged by our ladies' retreat that our ladies just came back from, and I want to commend all of the men who kept their children alive, yeah, because basically that's all it takes to do, have done a good job, and yeah, so I appreciate that. Uh, my wife came back, and everybody's alive, and she both thumbs up, and we're good to go. And we're finishing up our why series this morning, and to do it, we're gonna to go to a unique passage that I would have never uh, thought God would lead us to, and, and probably you'll think that too as we're reading it. In Romans 16, it's really a remarkable text, and I want you to go over there with me if you would. In this text, Paul speaks of a number of lives that had advanced his life along the way, where their kingdom service paved the way for his kingdom service. And so Romans 16, if you're physically able, would you stand as I read there today, beginning in verse number one. And if you don't have a a Bible, just look on with somebody close to you and let's read through this together. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Kentria, that you receive her in the Lord has become a saints and that she assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of for she hath been a succorer of many. It's one of the hardest Bible words right there by the way. A succorer of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila my helpers in Christ Jesus who have for my life laid down their own necks unto whom not only I give thanks but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise greet the church that is in their house Salute my well-beloved, Paenatus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who have known among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved, in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Statius, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lorraine. Salute Tryphena and Triphosa, who labor in the Lorraine. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lorraine. Salute Rufus, chosen of the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Asynchrosis, uh, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philodulus and Julia. Nereus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. And our topic today is why service. Let's pray together. Father, thank you this morning once again for your word. And we thank you for this special passage now in Romans chapter 16 that allows us to understand why we serve God together. I pray that you would bless in our time now and that you would help us to be attentive and to uh, be able to understand exactly what you'd have for each heart and each life. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, you maybe Sita. Here's a picture of the mouth of the Mississippi River. Its delta is so large that it covers thirteen thousand square miles. It's just a massive area. If you get down to the bottom of New Orleans and, or down below New Orleans and Louisiana, if you've ever seen this. The Mississippi is the fourth largest river system in the world, which is why the Native Americans called it the Great River, Mississippi. At its widest point, it's more than 11 miles wide. The watershed extends from the Allegheny Mountains in the east to the Rocky Mountains in the west. It includes all or parts of 31 states and two Canadian provinces. The watershed is 1.2 million square miles, about 40% of the continental United States. The Mississippi Basin accounts for 92% of the nation's agricultural exports, 78% of the world's exports in grains and soybeans. And uh, you guys are just blown away by all this information so far. At New Orleans just before the river goes into its delta stage, the flow is 600,000 cubic feet per second. Now, to illustrate how much that is, think of the equivalent of 166 semi-trailers of water flowing past every second. Apparently, we're gonna have to get 166 (laughs) semi-trailers and fill them with water and see how long it takes every second, 600,000 cubic feet. Now, here's what you may not know. The Mississippi does not start as the Great River. It starts like this. A tiny little stream flowing out of Lake Itasca in Minnesota. And you can walk the 20 feet across and barely get your ankles wet. At its source, the Mississippi would take 10 minutes to fill one semi-trailer. But from its source, the Mississippi begins to flow out of the Itosca, and it adds rivers, lots of rivers. Just listen to the list. The upper Mississippi is joined by the Minnesota River, the St. Croix River, the Cannon River, the Zumbro River, the Black, the Lacrosse, the Root, the Wisconsin, the Rock, the Iowa, the Skunk, really, the Des Moines, the Crow, the Chippewa, the Maquita, the Wapaskinian, the Illinois, and that's just the upper. The middle Mississippi is joined by the mighty Missouri River, the Merrimack, The Kakaskia and the lower river is joined by the Ohio River, the Arkansas River, the White River, the Big Black River, the Yazoo River, and don't forget the Red River. And if that's not enough, along the way, with dozens of rivers that flow into the Mississippi, there are over 7,000 streams that flow into the river as it travels 2,552 miles from Lake Atasca down to the Gulf of Mexico. A drop of rain takes 90 days to make the trip from top to bottom, and that is the watershed. Why am I telling you all of this? Because the flow of service in us and through us and out of us is what grows the lives around us. And we're going to see in four ways this morning why we serve. And I hope you'll follow along with me. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to do that. We begin by saying that service flows out of Jesus. Go with me over to the book of Galatians. It's just a little bit to your right. Yeah, to Galatians chapter 2, there's a powerful passage in Galatians chapter 2. And we'll only read one verse from it this morning. It's a verse that I believe that every Christian should memorize and and put into your heart and really absorb into your life. Galatians two at verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, any time that I live spiritually, it's only because Christ lives in me. He is the source of service. It is by the sacrificial service of my Savior that I can understand how I should serve others. And nothing flows in the kingdom of God without Jesus Christ. It, that verse tells us that it is by the faith of Jesus Christ. It is only because he believed in God's plan, and he followed through on God's plan, and he went all the way to a wooden cross and hung there for our sins, as Aaron just talked about it a few minutes ago, that our salvation, our hope of eternity, and our service is in Jesus Christ. And that's such a phrase, such a powerful phrase, not I, but Christ. And so we understand that service flows out of Jesus. And I think that that's that's kind of a given this morning. That without him, we can do nothing. That without his working, without his faith, without his dedication, that we have no hope of serving anyone. Service flows out of Jesus. But then we see this. Service flows into individuals. Service flows into individuals. Wirt Avan, Dean Rosander, Sharon Blazer, Doug Sisson, Louis Dean, Rob French. The list could go on for a really long time, and it actually would include a whole bunch of people in this room. When I think of the lives that have flowed into my life, I'm actually just a little overwhelmed by it and as i read romans 16 i see one of the most personal pictures that paul ever gives us anywhere in scripture because he's recounting the investment that had been made by so many into his life and if you know anything about the new testament you understand that the apostle paul did not start out as the great apostle paul He started out as the Christian killing Saul of Tarsus, and Jesus showed him just how small he was on the road to Damascus when he stumbled into the city as a blind convert needing a guide. There was a hesitant disciple named Ananias, and you might remember the passage where Jesus came to Ananias. And the Holy Spirit said, Ananias, got a job for you. I want you to go meet Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias said, isn't he the one who's killing all the Christians? Not really excited about going to see him, but he went anyway. And as, as Saul entered that room, two powerful words changed his life. As Ananias reached out and embraced him and said these two words, brother, Saul, brother Saul. And Ananias began to flow in to Saul and into his life. And then Saul traveled to Jerusalem to meet the saints. But you know, all the saints at Jerusalem were scared to death to meet him. In fact, Scripture says explicitly they were all afraid to meet him. That's how explicit it is. But there was a guy there in Jerusalem whose name was Barnabas. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and Barnabas flowed into his life. And we read here this morning in Romans 16, where there were men and women of God whose lives had connected with his life, tributaries into what would become the apostle Paul. And I want you to think as you sit there this morning of the lives that have made you bigger. Think of the lives that have flowed into your life. And sometimes it's only for a short time. Sometimes there's been a life that's flowed into your life and you don't even know the person's name. But you know that they made a difference in you. And you know that something that they did spoke of who Jesus is to you in a special way. And you began to consider what Jesus would have you to do, just like Paul did on the road to Damascus. And then it begs the question, who have who we've made bigger? And who have we flowed into? As we flow downstream into the lives God allows us to influence, we advance an unknown number of people it can be a little staggering to think about helping people, especially because we try to think of it in this fair way. And you remember when you were a little kid and your teacher had a little jar on her desk and it had a Tootsie Pop in it? And you were the brave enough kid to go up in front of the whole class and say, teacher, can I have a Tootsie Pop? And you remember what your teacher said back to you? You remember the exact words? She said, little Freddie, or little Billy, or whatever your name is, if I do it for you, I'll have to do it for the whole class. You remember this? And she said, I don't have enough Tootsie Pops for everyone, and it wouldn't be fair, because it has to be fair. I want to hit you with the big truth this morning. When it comes to service, it doesn't have to be fair. In fact, it can't possibly be fair. Think about Jesus. He walks into a city, and he heals one man who was blind. He walks to the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, where there are gathered a multitude of sick people. And he walks to one man and heals him. And Jesus, out of all the multitudes of Israel, called 12 disciples. Out of those 12, there were three who were close to him, and out of them, one who was called the beloved. And I'm telling you, Jesus and his ministry and his service was not fair. Now, grace is fair, it's for everyone. The blood of Jesus is fair, it's for everyone, no matter whosoever will. They may come to the water of life and drink freely, but service isn't fair. There's a great quote about this that I love from Pastor Andy Stanley. Here's what he says. This is a great quote. You should write it down. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And you know, if our individual service was based on that principle of God's word, we don't have to wait till we have Tootsie Pops for the whole class. We can just love somebody with the Tootsie Pop we already have. Flow into an individual. And I'm telling you up front, it won't be fair. Just like it's not fair that the Missouri River, technically longer than the Mississippi, has to flow into the Mississippi instead of having the Mississippi flow into it. That's not fair either. You go ahead and flow into the lives that God has around you. And don't worry about whether it's fair. If you see a need in someone's life and God impresses it on your heart, don't say, well, I don't have enough shoes for everyone. Provide shoes for that one. Don't wait until you can fulfill an entire civilization or an entire population's needs. And begin with what you have And God wants us to serve, and he wants us to flow into the lives of individuals. And when we do that, we begin to make a difference. And the river begins to grow, and things begin to get larger. And so service flows into individuals. So, you know, service also flows into churches. Here's Paul, and as he's addressing these things about these individuals, he was talking not just to individuals, he was talking to churches. In fact, if you go back to our text, uh, I want you to read look at that last verse again with me in Romans chapter 16. The last verse we read was Romans 16, 16, and we'll skip the part about greeting each other with a holy kiss, okay? And we do handshakes here in the United States. You know what it says after that? The churches of Christ salute you. The churches of Christ salute you. Why? Because all of the people who had flowed into the Apostles Paul's lives were parts of all these various local churches. And all of these various local churches were being served. As service flows into individuals, we have to remember that individuals make up churches. Churches aren't a building. Churches are a group of believers who gather together in Jesus' name to live out the faith. And, and so as we begin to flow, we don't just flow into people, we flow into groups of people. And God wants us to take ownership of the local church. And the flow into the body of believers, he's allowed us to be a part of. Now, in modern churches and in modern times, especially in the United States... It's sad, but we have more of what you might call consumer Christians than we've ever had. Consumer Christians are those who, instead of flowing into the church, they draw away the energy and resources from the church just to meet their own needs, and then they move on to the next one. We used to call them bloodsuckers when I was a kid. Now, I'm not calling any of you bloodsuckers here this morning, technically, but you know, there are people, really, who call themselves Christians, who show up at churches just like this one, and they never do anything to flow into the ministry. They just pull out of it. And in, in this consumer Christian world that we live in, it's so difficult. I remember years and years ago, and actually, people in this room that were a part of this, but my wife and I came to Boise, God called us in. 1998, uh, and we took a tiny little group that was becoming a church plant in the north end of Boise, and we began to meet people, and, and uh, we were up in the Salvation Army Chapel up on the north end of, of Boise there, where all the trees are. That's why it's called the City of Trees, because of the north end, okay? People fly into Idaho for the first time, and uh, you pull out of the airport, right, and they're like, what's uh, Boise? What, how's that named after? It's called the City of Trees. And they look around, and there's no trees anywhere. Yeah, but we were up in the trees section. And then we moved from there, and we rented a place in Garden City, and we had a storefront there for many years. And People would come for the first time, and, and, of course, you're so excited when a church plant, when anybody new shows up, right? And you're just thrilled to death, and you almost smother them. And it's like the whole gathering that's there kind of groups around them, and it's like a huddle. And uh, the people are asking, are you gonna come back tonight? Are you gonna stay? You're coming back next week? You're like, hold up and give us a break. Don't smother them, right? And then you, you would have them over for dinner, and that always was a curse too. It seemed like my wife and I, four or five weeks in a row, we had somebody over on Saturday. They didn't come back on Sunday. And they would ask questions like, what's your children's ministry like? You know, what's your youth ministry like? You know, like, let's walk four feet this way because our room was so small. There's our children's ministry right there. Our youth ministry, let me tell you about our youth ministry. We don't have one. Why? Because we don't have any youth. And if you would come with your youth, we would have a youth ministry. And if you want our children's ministry to be more than Cody and Dawson, then put your kids right in that room and we'll have a children's ministry. And it, but we live in this consumer Christian world where people are, are saying, what's in it for me? Instead of how can I flow in? And it, there's a danger even in a church like this one. We're not a big church or a huge church, but we're big enough where some people can kind of just sit and be inactive and not flow into what's going on. And I believe that God wants us together to flow in. He doesn't want us to be users, he wants us to be contributors. And uh, you know, what I find with consumer Christians is it doesn't really bother them that much that they're consumer Christians. They don't even see it that way. They say, well, is your church strong in this or is it strong in that? And we want a church that's really strong in this. And uh, I just believe God brings us into a body of believers so that we can grow as a body and serve together. And, uh, you know, people who are just content to show up when they feel like it and put their families in ministries, as long as those ministries meet their needs, they don't always last that long. And uh, there's very little of their lives flowing into the church. Investing Christians, contributing Christians allow their service and their resources and their faithfulness to flow in because they understand the big picture. And the big picture is that many Christians flowing together produce a large river of God's purpose. If every believer would flow into the local churches God has designed, I promise you we would never lack volunteers in ministry. We never lack resources in serving. We never lack for dedicated disciples to train others. Look, there are some great charities out there in 2016. There are some terrific parachurch groups that exist. But the local church that Jesus started is still the hope of the world. And the service that flows into individuals through local churches is still God's only method for reaching the world. Still the only one. The local church is still God's hope for the future. By the way, you know, the goal is not for people to come in and build a ministry here. It's for a ministry to exist so that we can build people who flow into other people and flow into other churches and other parts of the world. And as we serve here today, we have missionaries who are serving all over the globe. And, And so it's not just about flowing into individuals and it's not just about flowing into churches. We see as the last part of the message today, that service flows into an everlasting kingdom. Service flows into an everlasting kingdom. We talked earlier about Old Man River, the great Mississippi. Yeah, it's definitely massive. Do you know, there are three other river systems in the world that are even larger. Three of them. You know, in fact, this blew me away because I didn't, hadn't remembered this. The Amazon River in South America at flood stage shoots out almost twice, not twice as much, not three times as much, sorry I messed that up, 12 times as much water as the Mississippi. You hear what I said? Some of you are still like, why are you talking about the Mississippi River at church? 12 times as much the Amazon shoots out just a massive amount. It shoots out at flood stage over 7 million cubic feet of water per second. Which means that if we had to get 1,800 semi-trailers and fill them up with water every second, then we'd be at the Amazon at flood stage. But you know, only 3% of the Earth's water is even fresh water in the first place. Isn't that crazy? Three percent is fresh water. Ninety-seven percent of all the water on the earth is still in the oceans. And out of that three percent of fresh water, two percent is in the polar ice caps, which means that only one percent of the world's water even exists in streams and rivers and lakes. And the Mississippi is only a small piece of that. What am I trying to show to you today? I'm trying to show you this. The kingdom of God is much larger than we are. And it is much larger than we can comprehend. As we're here this morning, there are groups and tribes all over the world meeting in Jesus' name. Some of them are sort of like us in methodology and practice, but many of them and most of them do things differently than we do. And one day, Jesus was approached by his disciple, John. John was a little upset. He came to talk to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, Master, I don't know how to tell you this, but we saw somebody casting out devils in your name. And we told him, stop it right now. You're not part of our group. Not on our team, not in our group. And you might remember that Jesus replied this way. These are his exact words. Jesus said to John, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. Now, he might not go to the same church we do. We might not worship quite the same way. And we may never go to the same church because we're just kind of a little different, but he's not our enemy. And sometimes as American Christians, we think we have this firm grasp on understanding who God will and who God won't use when it comes to church. And I'm telling you that nothing could be further from the truth. God can use anyone, anywhere, any way that He wants to use them. We don't have to worry about any of it. We just keep flowing into the kingdom. Just keep flowing into the kingdom. I get periodicals every week on my desk. Some of them have been around for 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah, as I read through on the front page, here's what I discovered. They're still fighting with the same groups that they've been fighting with for 50, 60, 70 years. And they're still fighting about the same issues, these, not these core issues. I'm not talking about getting together with cults, and I'm not talking about getting together with people who deny the word of God. I'm talking about people who have these tiny little semantic things that they disagree with each other about, and they turn themselves into enemies. And God has a big picture plan for his kingdom. And I think we're going to be really surprised when we get to heaven that some of the people that we have said, we can't ever do it that way, we can't ever serve God that way, are going to have the mansion next door. It's going to be kind of surprising, isn't it? What some of our family members who we argue with at every Thanksgiving about how to do church are right across the street of gold from us. And uh, we need to get some perspective on how God wants us to serve and why we serve. We just gotta flow into the kingdom, flow into the treasures in heaven, flow into the eternal view. And uh, I promise you won't hear the pastors at Centennial Baptist attacking other Christian teachers or churches or denominations. You say, Pastor, don't you care about doctrine? Yes, we certainly do. And I'm going to continue to preach against false teachers and cults, and we're going to preach the whole counsel of God. But it's not my job to control God's servants in other places. That's his job. And we have enough enemies without being on the attack toward those who claim to serve the same Jesus we do. The world is our enemy. It is verified. We know it. All you have to do is read any publication, any newspaper, look on any news website. The culture and the world is the enemy of God. It's very clear. Now, we see it more now than we've ever seen it in our lifetimes. You know, the devil is our enemy. It's verified. We know it. We don't have to worry about it. It's it's exactly true. You know who else is our enemy? The man in the mirror. And it's very clear that the man in the mirror causes me most of my problems. And I think that the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror causes you most of your problems too. But the family of God in other churches or other places is not my enemy. And God wants me to flow into the big picture instead of thinking that I'm some important river in my own little slice of the world. And... Mississippi, meet Amazon, right? Amazon, meet Indian Ocean. Indian Ocean, meet Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic Ocean, meet Pacific Ocean, where 70% of Earth's water is right now. There's a trench in the Pacific deeper than Mount Everest. Pacific Ocean, meet God because he has made the infinite structure of this universe, and it's boundless, and it's so big. And we just get this oversized view of who we are. And we begin to think that we're something special. We're in the tiny little pond of our own world. Let's put it all together now, and I wanna really take this whole series and and give the why for you of why did we do this series? What's it all about? Why do we bring these things together? We asked the first week, why do we worship? And as we answered, why do we worship, we went back to really the heart of the matter, which is we worship because of God, not because of us. Not because of who we are and what we need and what we, we desire. We worship because of who he is and what his attributes are and how great he is. The next week we asked, why church? And uh, we began to process why is it that we have church in the first place? And Ed Cole talked about some some really important parts of traditions that we have made into churches that really didn't come from God in the first place, but they have become sacred to us. And they're so important to us. And if somebody doesn't, cross the t just the right way they're out and they messed up at a white church then we talked about why community why do we need each other and we discovered that all the way from the beginning of the world that god said it's not good that man should be alone he we need other people around us we need community we need friends we need a support system <laughs> then today why serve in the kingdom <laughs> when you put all four of the questions together there's an answer that I want to give you this morning in a statement that Jesus made in John chapter 8. And if you turn over there, John 8 is where Jesus talked about why he did everything that he did. If there's two words that you ever should take as a motto for your life, we're going to show you those two words in John chapter 8. I remember when I was about 14 or 15 years old. Then a pastor came to a chapel or a service that we had. I don't even remember what it was. I don't even remember who it was. But I remember he spoke on this passage from John chapter 8. And it really changed the way I thought about everything. And from that moment on, I began to process information differently as a believer in Jesus Christ. And I'll show it to you here in John chapter 8. Look what he said in verse number 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. I do always those things that please him. I remember the speaker that day said, you know what you ought to do? You ought to get a little card, three by five card or four by six card, and write, please him on it. And put that card above your television. And then make another one and write, please him, and put that above your stereo. Because we had stereos back then. We had black and white televisions back then. Actually, some of us did. The rich people had color televisions, even back in those days. And then make another card, please him, and he said, Put it up above where you walk out the door every day. And put one above your steering wheel. And put one above your mirror. And kind of you got the point. Now I went home and I took a whole stack of cards. Man, I was putting them up everywhere. And, uh, and for a while they were up. And, and uh, even years later I found one in a certain place in my room as I was leaving college and getting ready to move. Please Him. Now we don't really use three by five cards much anymore unless you're in some high school English class, right? Kids today, they only know one language, it's text language. Yeah, phones and internet and computers and tablets. But you know, the principles of God's word haven't changed a bit. Please Him is still why we do everything. Why do we worship? Because it pleases Him. Why should we be a part of church? Because it pleases Him. Why should we invest in each other's lives through community? Because it pleases Him. Why should we serve Him? Because it pleases Him. And every question that we ask about why comes back to who God is and who Jesus is, and why do we do what we do? Because we're made to please the Creator. We were created for His good pleasure. That's why we bow our hearts before him. That's why we assemble together in his name. That's why we build each other up. That's why we invest our time and our energy and our efforts and our resources into the big picture of his kingdom. I do always those things that please him. Authentic service pleases the Father. So my question today as we finish up the series is this. Will you allow your life to flow into the lives around you through a local church? You say, well, why does it have to be in a local church? Because that's God's only method for reaching the world. You know, we can't do it outside the vine. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you're the branches. He said, every branch in me that beareth fruit that he blesses. And God wants us to be invested through the vine, through the community of the local church. And he wants us to grow into what he wants us to be. And so my question today for you is, are you flowing into other people? Are you allowing your life to flow into other people? Or maybe are you just drawing from other people? Are you draining other people? And God wants us to flow into each other. The principles of his word are so clear. We can't do it without him. Jesus is the source of everything. He is the source of salvation. And if you've never received Jesus as your savior, I want you to know that we can take the word of God today and just take a few short minutes and show you how you can know your eternity is secure. And you can know that Jesus in your life, it has nothing to do with where you go to church. It has nothing to do with good works. It has nothing to do with how great you've been. It's all through Jesus and what he did on the cross. Let's bow together as we close this morning.